and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. And once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, this is an awesome one. From the hit Hulu show, just renewed for a season two. And if you have not watched this show, that is on you. This fool... Chris Estrada is here on the show, and this is a this is a good one. This is someone who goes deep on on all of my favorite things to talk about. You'll hear more on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire Tristan Abraham, and you get the message to me. This is one I booked on my own, though. I, I got to take credit. Actually, uh, this was. Actually, though, this all credit where this it's due. This was suggested by Vugazi on Twitter. So thank you, Vugazi, for suggesting this because my gosh, is it is it a fun one? But normally Tristan is the guest booker. He also runs an Instagram page and a Facebook page for this podcast where you can find those at Turned Out a Punk on those platforms. And now, big news. There's a, a Turned Out a Punk, at Turned Out a Punk on YouTube account where I have started putting up documentaries. The first one's going up on Friday. It is a, a documentary, like a YouTube documentary. So, you know, keep those uh, expectations pretty low. A first attempt at a YouTube documentary. So keep those, doc- keep those expectations like real, real low to the ground when you watch this thing, but uh, it's my attempt to kind of tell the story, the greatest story I've ever heard on Turn Out of Punk, which is the ballad of professional wrestler and friend of the show, MVP, and friend of the show, Rise Against guitarist, former Hagfish guitarist, Zach Blair, friend of the show, and how they were reconnected ultimately through this podcast, but Really, the most exciting part of this thing is how they they saved the misfits from being murdered by the macho man, Randy Savage. And if if you don't know this story, you're going to be able to see it all in, in one place uh, over there on YouTube tomorrow at Turned Out a Punk. If you're listening to this thing when it comes out, it's probably already up if you're not listening to this thing when it first comes out. But that's it. We now have the YouTube page. We've had a YouTube page for a while on this thing, and you maybe you check out podcasts there. I, I I haven't posted episodes on there in a long time, and I normally don't have the in the intros in there. So I don't know. People listen to podcasts on YouTube. It's kind of weird, you know. Anyway, watch watch the watch the documentary though on YouTube. No judgment on YouTube people. No judgment. We consume it. Consume turn it a punk wherever you want to consume it. Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting a text here. I'm going to move on. And silence my phone. How unprofessional of me as I'm plugging my new professional YouTube channel. Once again, first attempt. So keep those expectations nice and nice and kind. All right. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, if you want to support the show, tell all your friends about it. Like and subscribe on YouTube. And uh, like and subscribe where you're listening to this thing. Head over to turnedoutapunk.com and grab a t-shirt. Thank you to people that do do that. It really does help me keep the lights on. This thing is done entirely out of pocket now anyone who thinks that vans is still involved they are no longer involved so this thing is running on on hopes and dreams now it's back to back to back to being a zine 
Back to being a zine. We had a moment at being a real legit media outlet, and now we're back to being a zine. So any publicists that write us angry emails and we haven't written back to, I apologize. It's just a zine, though. You know, we got we got full time jobs that are well. I don't. I gotta get find a full time job. Anyway, I digress. Uh, speaking of full time jobs, I do play in a band full time. It's called Fucked Up. You can find out more information over at fuckedup.cc. We got a lot of records, like a lot of records, like maybe maybe too much, but we're putting out more. And so, if you like records, head over there. And we're gonna be playing some shows. In, in the parts of Canada that get very cold in January and February, well, it gets cold in a lot of places up here, but uh, specifically where we're going to be going to. So we're going to help bring the heat. And uh, so come out and chill with me in Edmonton. And, and let's, you know, I forget I forget all the tour dates now. I think there's four. Um, but the, well, anyway, I'll plug them. Yeah, don't even don't even wait for me. Go and find out where we are going over at fuckedup.cc and we'll we'll smoke some weed. We'll talk. You want to talk about punk? That's t- talking about punk and smoking weed is my favorite thing to do when I'm on tour. So come find me. And that's it. On to today's show. As I said off the top, Chris Estrada is someone that I've become a fan of very recently through his incredible show, This Fool. Uh, someone that I picked up on the punk references on the show. If you watch the show, I don't want to spoil anything for you. So you you, you didn't see him when they drop away. Chris and I kind of spoil it in the episode, some of the ones that you'll see in the show. But anyway, when I started seeing him in the show, I knew that there had to be something up there or there was someone on, maybe there's someone on the staff, right? Like the X-Files Vandals episode style or something. You know, you never know. You never know. But then when I was hanging out in San Antonio with my friends Tom and and RJ, Fast Ronald, uh, they were talking about how great the show was, and I asked RJ, is is this guy punk? Or, or Fast Ronald, I should say, sorry. Is this guy punk? Is, is And he's like, yeah, he went to shows. And, you know, it's one of those things. You know, once you find that connection, just to find out that the person's, like, into punk and down with punk. But I had no idea, you know? I had no idea how down with it Chris was. Oh, my gosh, does this episode blow my mind. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to go on too much about it till you hear it. But this is a good one. This is, this is someone who... Uh, yeah, a fellow, a fellow deep head traveler on the world of punk fandom. And we've been lucky lately. We've had a lot of them recently. There's been, we're kind of on a, a good run of not having someone on the show that just doesn't get the vibe, you know? Anyway, this is one that definitely gets the vibe. Watch this fool if you haven't already. There is a season two coming out that just got announced. So congratulations to Chris on that. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Chris Estrada on Turn Out a chris thank you so much for coming on the show yeah man thank you for having me well as i was just telling you off air this is uh, a huge pleasure for me because you are uh the star creator of my and my wife lauren's favorite show currently this fool so it is an honor to have you on the show oh man it's it's an honor to be on this podcast i've dude i've been listening for a long ass time i I re-listen to the Bourdain episode a lot. I re-listen to the Fat Mike episode a lot. <laughs> I, 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 dude, you just had Alec Mackay on. I was listening to that yesterday. That shit, it blew my mind. <laughs> That's amazing to hear. No, it's funny because like, uh, you know, like when I started watching, the, actually before I even started watching the show, I was on tour 
with the band recently and I was in San Antonio hanging out with a bunch of Latino friends and they were yeah. like talking about the show and they mm. were saying how it's amazing to have a show for them and to see oh, a yeah, show yeah. and like to see a show that's just like, you know, cause I, you know, it pops up. There's so much stuff that pops up now yeah, on demand. Yeah. You don't know what something's about. And then just hearing them say that I was like, we got to watch this show to Lauren yeah. and, you know, obviously I'm a corny white dude from Canada, but at the same time, mm. as much as it is for them, it also is a show that I love. And oh, I no, it's, it's really, we really try to go out of our way to like, kind of make it like, make it for everyone in a way that it's like, not explain anything, just kind mm -hmm. of fall into the world and look at it through a lens of class, like, of like what it's like growing up in a working class neighborhood, having, you know, all that, all the stuff that entails that. So now that really means a lot. It, it truly does. Well, we're going to get to the show because yeah. yeah. there's a lot I want to talk to you about yeah. the show. But before we get there, I got to start this off the way they all start off, which is Chris, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? Man, this is a, this, what a, I've been wanting to hear this question for a long ass time just from listening to this podcast, man. I, you know, for me, I feel like it was, I'm 38, so it was the late 90s for me. And a lot of that, I, if I can remember correctly, I think it was K Rock. I think it was probably Rodney on the Rock, mm -hmm. listening to like things like, uh, listening to things like, uh, what Rodney would play, like the adolescents. Or like listening to this music that sounded like music that didn't that didn't sound like what K-Rock played during the day here in L.A. Mm -hmm. You know, because during in the day they would play a lot of alt rock, which I love. But this some of the, this stuff sounded a little harsher and a little more like there was more adrenaline. It sounded a little more art damaged. And but I have to say, I think it was probably my friend Renee. I, he probably told me about no effects around this time. It was maybe like a post-punk and Drublik, like uh, petting zoo era. Yeah, it was around that time. But for me, my first. So I started here. He played that for me and I was like, damn, this is cool. And but for me, I went to the store and I bought with anything that said punk on it. I was like, I need to know more about this shit. And I bought Punkorama Volume 2. The best one. Dog. Blew my mind. So it's like it's Punkarama Volume Two with the E, with the epitaph E pissing on like a wall or whatever. There, and, you see, someone actually made a pin of that a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, and I and I got a pin, and I was like talking about how great this pin was, and yeah. the person hit me up and was like, "Yeah, this is the worst selling pin I've ever put out." And I'm like, "What, what? are you talking about? It's so awesome." <laughs> That's like an iconic looking cover to me. And you know what's so crazy is I I, I heard you talking to Alec Makai about compilations and how much they play a role and playlists but i came in so i didn't have the internet that much like you know we didn't have a computer at home if we wanted to use the internet maybe it was a library so to me i was still and this was way before limewire or napster so i was still like i would just take chances on things and punkarama was really like uh it it just blew me away when i was a kid like seeing and listening to and the, that punkorama seemed to have a lot of different types of bands. And I think what really attracted me about that punkorama was the bands that I thought sounded a little weirder, like the cramps were on there. Mm -hmm. And and even stuff like Coffee Mug by like the Descendants, even though that's a little more straightforward, like Southern California hardcore, it sounded a little different from some of the skate punk that was on there. And it sounded different than Pulley. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, which Pulley's great, but like, it just sounded a little different. And I remember throughout the years, that's what I ended up kind of gravitating towards more. 
but I think really, man, it was that late era epitaph, like no effects. I think that's what probably when I first heard punk. It's funny with that compilation too, because I think Poison Ideas on that one. Poison Ideas on it, yep, yep. And it's it's so it is like you're saying the Cramps are on it, Poison Ideas on it, Descendants are on it. It's like more than any of the other ones that they would put out, and even the one before that. I think this is kind of like a great entry ramp to like all types of punk at that point. Like it's not just that Epifat sound. No, it's not. It Dead Fucking Last was on there. Yeah, like you know, New Bomb Turks, like the Joy Killer, like. Yeah, so just really interesting stuff. And like, I don't know, what got me was uh, some of the more like stuff that sounded a little different, like than some of the skate punk sound, which I like still, but it was like, yeah, that was a big deal for me to listen to that stuff. And then around that time, dude, it was also, I got into, it was the era of CDs. So I was looking at thank yous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, around that time I got into Rancid and then Rancid, you know, was the let's go, like, out come the wolves and life won't wait era, which I, I, I love life won't wait. Like, I think it's such an amazing album. And it was through looking at, like, some of the more, like, Rancid stuff and looking at, re, re, you know, because they were in Rolling Stone and people were talking about them. And I, I think looking at that and then seeing what the thank you see on the sleeve, the, the thank yous. I would look to see who were they thinking and whoever a band was thinking, I would go buy that album. And it's amazing with Rancid too, because yeah. I was talking to the, about this with my friend the other, like yesterday, but they had their feet in so many different worlds. So yeah. they're doing, when you're looking through that thanks list in let's go or the flyers, it's like them in a veil or yep. them in green day or them in bikini yeah. kill. I feel, yeah. I feel the other day that they played with integrity in 93. Yep. And they, <laughs> Weren't they on like a, oddly enough, didn't they, weren't they on like an early Kill Rockstars comp? Yeah, they're on uh, yeah. Rockstars Kill, I think it is, or one of those yeah. ones. Yeah. Yep. I, I remember another compilation that really got me was the second Kill Rockstars comp that had like Nation of Ulysses, uh, Hole was on it, I randomly, mm -hmm. like, yeah, that comps were really a thing. And like comps really like, it was a way for me to find out about different bands and then later on, when I was, um, this was like junior high, and then getting into high school, I started discovering more stuff, going to like Tower Records, going to like independent stores here in LA. And one day, dude, I randomly, I was chilling with, the, with my friend Adrian, and he was chilling with his homies, like here in LA, all Latino dudes. And we were, they had, randomly, they were watching a bootleg VHS copy of Decline. <laughs> And it like blew my mind. And these dudes were scary to me because they would like pound beers. They wore leather jackets. They were like kind of Heshers, but punks, you know? Yeah. Like they were like, they were Heshers in that they love Slayer, but they would play Minor Threat. They would play DK. They play Germs. And that stuff really got to me. And I was like, seeing that, seeing that, like, seeing that fucking decline, it, it kind of scared me. Mm hmm. Like it scared me as a kid. And then a big factor for me was later on because they were from my neighborhood was discovering despise you. Yes. Yeah. One of the greatest of all time. Power yeah. And that despise you record West side horizons. It, you know, what was so funny is 
with a lot of punk, you felt like a lot of anger and it felt real. That's what I love about punk is that oftentimes the anger comes, it's coming from a visceral, real place. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, sometimes in metal, it feels theatrical, but in, in punk, it doesn't, you know? And I remember when I came across Despise You and they were talking about like drive-by shootings and shit that I was growing up around, like gang violence. And you like, I was like, holy shit. It just like, it blew my mind. Because at that point, like things felt pretty like socially conscious. And I think they were socially conscious, but I think they were just talking about shit that I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And that really like despise you really blew my mind. Like I, I had a friend who just told me about them and he goes, he lives here. He lives in our neighborhood. And I was like, well, like that guy, Chris. And I went, what the fuck? Like it, it just blew my mind, blew my mind. And then around that time, too, I heard um, it was through. I forgot what compilation, but I came across Union 13's Islos Presents. Yeah, that's on Give Him the Boot, I think. The... Give Him the Boot, yeah. yep. Yeah, Give Him the Boot. And I just bought that on a whim because I, I, I'm not from East LA. I'm from South Central and Inglewood. And then, right, uh, for Inglewood and South Central. And I, but I, you know, East LA plays a role in the greater part of LA. Like, you know about it growing up. And I bought that. And I remember just hearing those songs, hearing them talk in Spanish like the fact that they used the number 13 in their name like it kind of like was blew me away it was and then but also around that time what was getting me was going back and discovering the english stuff like i hit ninth grade and i like sex pistols clash uh damned like i was taking it all in and even the new york stuff like i i bought that i bought that famous like Ramon's comp. I forgot which one it is. It's the only Ramon's one. Ramon's Mania? Ramon's Mania. Yeah. I bought Ramon's Mania. And that was a real gateway for me because I read that book and they were talking about the damned. They were talking about Generation X. They were talking about the clash and all that. And I went, I went to go like I said, I went to go buy it. Like I went to go buy these CDs. And I just remember that stuff really like it, especially like hearing the clash, like was a big revelation for me. Hearing the pistols was huge, huge. It, it, there was just something about it. Like even I remember hearing Bodies. Bodies was one of the first songs that kind of scared me. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The lyrics are, yeah, there's yeah. just something about that song. There's like a real menace to it. The real menace to it. And I got to say a real turning point for me too was that scared the shit out of me where I just thought there's something very real about this music. And, you know, I grew up working class and my family was like Catholic, but they weren't stringent. They weren't like it was, It just visually played a role in our life. Like we would have a Virgen de Guadalupe statue and a, like a cross on the wall. Mm. But we weren't. But it it was in my subconscious religion, you know. And when I heard somehow I came across that crass best of class of 84 or there was a yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah i know what you're talking about i'm trying to remember what it's called now too i'll fix that yeah. in the intro i'll put the I'll put a little note at the beginning oh of good when i heard shaved women yeah it i was like 14 15 i i thought i was doing something sinful dude it scared me <laughs> it's just like that intro about like jesus didn't die for our sins and like that shit, it, it scared the fuck out of me, dude. I was like, should I be listening to this? Like, this is fucking scary. <laughs> well, and like, I find it fascinating because so many people that come from uh, particularly like Los Angeles area, greater Los Angeles area, even though, even like Southern California. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, punk was so such a popular thing in their high school. But you know, I, I cheated. I listened to you talk a little bit about growing up yeah. on another podcast, and it doesn't seem like there were a lot of punks around no. you. No, very, not a lot of punks, man. There was like, it was a few of us in high school, like not that many of us, and even some of the punks, like the few punks there was, they didn't all hang out. We all knew each other, and we would all, but they all ha they had their friend group. We had our friend group. But it wasn't, it was, it was during that time, I, I never dressed punk because around that time I was just like, unbeknownst to me, I was kind of dressing like a New York hardcore kid, even though I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had like those, you know, like, uh, like those security button up jackets and I had like baggy jeans and Adidas and that's just what I wore. But somebody, I found out later, I'm like, dude, I look like I was into Snapcase or something, <laughs> <laughs> but, but to me. There wasn't a lot of kids like there was a skater kid. I didn't skate, but there was a lot of skater kids who a few skater kids that were into punk that I was friends with. And we would trade stuff. We would like or let each other borrow stuff. Like I had a buddy. He would let me borrow stiff little fingers and I would let him borrow the clash like albums. And we talk about it or but there, there, there wasn't that many and it wasn't that popular at the time. And it was mostly Latino kids into it. A few black kids, mm -hmm. but mostly mm -hmm. Latino kids in it. And you kind of got shit like you didn't back then you didn't really like the idea of having liberty spikes to me was insane because you would get fucked with in my neighborhood like the latino gangsters would give you shit and then the black gangsters would give you shit you know they would be like it, also it was around the time of marilyn manson so they all thought that shit was like devil worshiping shit like there was no like there was no difference. They didn't know that the difference between the clash and Marilyn Manson. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of nuance to the the bullying, I guess. No, there wasn't. Yeah. So you would just but you know what I what I ended up loving about that is that it didn't make me so insular. It mm. didn't make me so precious. Is that I knew how to talk to people who weren't into the same things I was into. You know, like it didn't it didn't I didn't get I appreciated the minutia of like my little world of punk but i knew that it was precious to me and if other people weren't into it that's okay like they could still be my friends you know like they we could still kick it i still knew how to talk to other people it also gave me appreciation because i was growing up in the hood and so a lot of hip-hop was playing at the time so i was like i love tupac and biggie and like gangster shit that was popping at the time like corrupt all that and even like underground hip-hop at the time was like a cool thing and i would listen to all that stuff but it was just really my passion was in like punk music. Yeah, you know, I guess it was also then you're like on a solo journey. And that's why I guess finding these like threads in like the Ramones mania, th yeah. it's so important. Oh, yeah. And I had a few buddies like growing up that were into it, too. Like my friend Efren, my friend Ivan, my friend Chemo, some other dudes that I knew. And we were all like we would all find stuff and let each other borrow things. And also, you know. Through alternative music, I would find out a lot of shit too, like through like Nirvana, like even finding out that they covered Devo, co finding out that they covered the Vaselines, mm -hmm. or I think even like I, I remember reading an insecticide. He was talking about like Iggy Pop and the raincoats, and I was like, "Who who are these people?" And I went to go buy their albums. Like it was really, and then going to the library, and I would read like old Rolling Stone magazines. And just or spin, especially spin at the time, kind of still was at least talk about maybe not necessarily the most underground stuff, 
but they would talk about certain stuff that I would find out about a band by that band who would like a more alt band and then find it, find out they were influenced by like punk. Nirvana was so key in kind of repping that stuff too. Like, yeah. they, you know, he's wearing the flipper shirt or he's yeah. bigging up these bands. Like they were, it's interesting to kind of like look at how many kids were just turned on by Nirvana being so open about what they were into. Yeah. That, all that stuff was so helpful. I was so happy that like, in hindsight, I feel so happy that all these bands were transparent about who they were thinking or like if they had uh, sleeve art, they would have flyers listing other bands and that's how I would find out about other bands or I would at the time I started going to this tower records outside of my neighborhood and I would buy punk planet. Mm -hmm. And that was like a, that was huge for me finding out about punk planet and then via punk planet. I found out about maximum rock and roll when it was still getting printed. And it was just great. And I remember even like through maximum rock and roll, I, bought, I found out about evolution records and I was getting into like, you know, breads, uh, like uh getting into all those like spit boy batter brains uh breads and circuit and i love all those evolution bands like sarah kirsch to me is a saint is that where you would have heard los crudos too because i noticed the yeah. los crudos stuff on the show yep that's exactly where i heard los crudos was through that los crudos spit boy comp yes that... I, no, I split, split split yeah one of the yeah. best like if I if like I'm thinking about like you know the Frampton comes alive of hardcore kids where it was just yeah. in everyone's record collection, that's mm -hmm. got to be that thing's got to have sold like twenty thousand, thirty thousand copies. I hope so. I remember yeah. buying it straight mail order, mail order from Evolution. Yeah, like, I remember getting it through that because somehow I had a buddy who had, Martin from from Crudos made a documentary about Latino punk called. Mas allá de los gritos, which translates to beyond the screams. Yeah. And that was a big deal to me watching that because through that I got into this Chicago. A lot of those Pilsen bands like Sin Orden was a big band that I was into. Mm -hmm. I found out about that Chicago scene, which was a big deal. Like, you know, finding about like Charles Bronson and all these bands. It was like, it was really blowing me away. I mean, it was what I loved about punk too at the same time was I, there was such a history to it that. At the same time that I was getting into at the drive-in, I was also buying machine gun etiquette. Yeah. And there's a connection between the two, like a direct connection it, between the two. A direct connection, a direct connection. And then, or, you know, like getting into a band whose praise I like to say, to really sing is that is unwound or unwound, maybe unwound from, I love that band. I like. Th those reunion shows are huge. Do you see those reunion shows are doing? Yeah, Every I'm single so happy for them. Out. That's wild. I'm, I'm so happy for them. I saw them live when I was like 18. They came down to the old smell that was in North Hollywood. Mm. And that old smell, they, they came down to do a small show before they did a big show at the El Rey. And I went to the big show and the small show. <laughs> and that was like huge, man. I just, they were, I just... What I also love too is just stuff that was angular, stuff that felt a little angular and weird. Like that's where I got into like really heavily into Fugazi as well and Discord. I just like, you know, finding out about like all those bands like Hoover, um, Nation of Ulysses, Lungfish, Fugazi, Slant Six. Mm -hmm. Like, Discord really was became a huge part of my life where I was just like obsessed with DC. 
I'm obsessed with DC. It's amazing too how like DC has become um I guess there's just like it's so much well it's so well documented, it's so well kind of preserved in terms yeah. of like a, a scene that you can kind of go back and you can study it like in oh, a yeah. in a it's real crazy. way. What I love is that you can study almost a lot of scenes now. I think when I and then by late high school, I I was finding these these old rhino comps. I think they were rhino comps. They were mass comps mm. about the old mass club. And I was buying those because by that time I knew about X and the germs. Then I started finding out about this old LA scene, like the old danger house scene. And that like that blew my mind. It was like, you know, finding about finding out about the eyes, the bags, um, you know, all those bands, Rhino 39, like, and then finding about Danger House, like, yeah, and you could just study that. I remember I met Brendan Mullen, like, years ago, when they had a live at the mask photo book come out, mm -hmm. and really beautiful hardcover. And I found out about it through the LA Weekly, and I went to go meet him. I think this was around the time that we got the Neutron Bomb came out, the book. Yeah, I think and, I, I think I know the book you're talking about. It's like a black and white cover, but it's like pink and yep, yep, yeah, yeah. fantastic book, fantastic book. And then finding out about that's like finding out about that was like I think that's what I love about punk is there's so many worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's your New York, there's your LA, there's like there's your Ohio scene where it's like might even start there you know there's your detroit scene like finding that out and then a big deal for me too was the cross section between punk and film like and and soundtracks like return of the living dead fucking huge for killer me. soundtrack cramps too yeah cramps on there like just like plugs doing secret agent man yeah like all that stuff it was just so it was so huge for me to find that out and then there was a lot of it was also at that time, I somehow I came across a bootleg of this this punk documentary from Mexico City called Nadie es Inocente huh. is nobody is innocent. And it's about all these like really impoverished punks in Mexico City that live in one of the worst neighborhoods and just seeing like their voracious love for punk. Like it was so huge for me. It was that documentary was a big deal. And then what era is that documentary? Oh, like mid to late 80s. I'll, I'll find a, I have a link for it. I'll send it to you. Oh, I think it might be on YouTube. And so is it like Massacre 68 or what kind of bands? Yeah, are, oh, it was kind awesome. of a lot of those bands, uh, a Toxico, maybe yeah. some of those bands. But a lot of it was like, was not even necessarily bands that were putting out stuff. It was just kids living in Mexico City slums mm. that like punk really got to them. Mm -hmm. And they were like, and it was more so some of them playing, but some of them just being like punks. And it felt like it was cool because it truly felt like a, there was a, re, a rebellious nature to it, where it was like, they were like, we're from the, we're angry. We're from the fucking slums. This is what we have. You know, it felt like the same way that probably like, punk was in brazil you yeah. know or like punk even like anywhere really you know from like your middle class kids to your working class kids like when you feel that fucking anger or you feel like sort of you're looking inward something about punk does that for you especially yeah it really does a lot and then um yeah think, that cross-section between film and music is great and uh, punk is great i think it's like um you know and there's that other i'm trying to remember another the documentary 
about punk in, I think it's Argentina. I don't remember the name of the, yeah. the doc. There's like a bunch of docs um, that really show how vital punk rock is to uh, different countries and how different yeah. scenes like, you know, like it just, uh, you know, talking about Brazil, like how, once again, there's like kids like in, in these bands that had, no money and we're able to put out records and then there's tons of bands yeah. that were not able to put out records and it's just like where punk kind of matters you know like it yeah absolutely i just remember for me one thing that i heard you talk to alec mckay about was which i want to talk about too is what a big influence sonic youth was in terms of like finding punk because mm-hmm. when when i was a kid i heard diamond in the sea on k-rock yeah and i was like what a fucking amazing song and i want to go buy that album and then I started listening to some, it was like, they had a song with Kim Dio on there. And then I found out, okay, somebody told me she's in the Pixies. I found out who the Pixies were. And then through the Pixies that somebody told me, I remember at this record store, they go buy a Husker Du album. And I bought a Husker, like, I remember buying like candy apple gray or something or flip your wig. Yeah. And like, and then later finding Zen Arcade. But it was really through like, I remember listening to Nick Fit too like that untouchables cover and just like being blown away it, it's they're another band too sonic youth like always wore that influence on the sleeve like thurston made sure to kind of always rep punk always rep hardcore mm-hmm. too like he would talk about yeah. hardcore bands and i remember you know this is in the early 2000s but i think he was reading in magnet magazine he had a column for a minute and yeah. he put over uh some finnish hardcore groups i think he's talking about turvik cadet or something yeah and it's just like uh, yeah it's like it's really cool especially in this time where you had to follow threads like there's nowhere to necessarily search for this stuff yeah other than other than these play people repping it yeah people repping it and that's what felt so cool about it was people repping it or finding through like remember maximum rock and roll was such a big deal for me like i said even punk planet became a big deal i remember buying an an interview with like uh, buying a cup, the one that had Martin Surendengai from from Crudos on there, and then reading about him. There was one with Joe Strummer uh, that I bought, and just I, was, I think I even at some point I sus- I must have subscribed to Punk Planet because at my mom's house I have like thirty copies <laughs> of like Punk Planet that I that I refuse to throw away. Yeah, of course, it's a library, <laughs> yeah. you know. You need it's that. a library. Yeah, it's totally a library. I I and what's crazy is I literally I still go through them. Like, yeah. Every, like once a month, I'll flip through. I'll pick a few and I'll flip through them, and I'll be reminded of something, you know. Or it's amazing now. Like, uh, there's an Instagram uh, run by this uh, first seven inch club that just reviews obscure seven inches from like the late '90s, early 2000s. Where yeah. they just go through and they scan old ads from MRR on their Instagram and put them wow. up. And it's amazing That's how interesting really cool. the yeah the ads are interesting now. Like just to yeah. be like, oh wow, that, that was all coming out at the same time. Like, yeah, it's amazing. And, and I guess this goes back to what you're talking about in Los Angeles, where you know at the one time you have despise you, yeah. at the same time you have no effects, and then at the same yeah. time there's like eight, you know, Union Thirteen. There's all these different bands that don't really connect. They don't play together necessarily, but they're all weirdly connected in a way like pessimizer was on theologian that yep. fletcher from pennywise helped fund yeah or even like i think about this like there was a time there was a pretty big band in south central that came out that i was really like and i was older than these kids i was like maybe four years older than some of them 
but it was this band that I actually saw Fucked Up play with. This was like 2008, 2009. It was in LA and it was, you guys play, you you had Hit Me Back open up for you. Yeah. And Hit, hit Me Back, if I remember, was on 625 Thrashcore. Mm-hmm. And like Hit Me, you, it was crazy. Was It was around that time in like neighborhoods like Compton, South Central, Inglewood, Watts, Long Beach. There became this wave of like kids who, for some reason, were getting in, who were a little younger than me and got into the casualties. And I was not a casualties guy. And not because I, for any other reason, that I just, I missed it and it wasn't my thing. But like they got into the casualties. But Hit Me Back was the only band that was not playing that kind of casualties type street punk. And they were, and I just thought it was so fucking interesting. And I went to go see them play a few times in like backyard gigs in South Central. And then I then somehow I ended up at like a fucked up show. And you guys were like, I think it was my this was like 2008. It was probably my first exposure. And it was when you guys were still putting out those seven inches Mm -hmm. that like to me reminded me of all those Danger House seven inches. Like that was the influence for us. A hundred percent. That's the influence. Yeah. It reminded me of that. And then I was just like. And you guys were phenomenal. Hit Me Back was phenomenal. And around that time, I went, it, it was just great, though, to see, like, there was, and it was around that time that, like, Hit Me Back was, it. what you're saying is, like, in L.A., too, there was, there was, um, No Age was playing, and then Hit Me Back was playing. Yeah. And you, and it was interesting that, like, it was different worlds, because L.A. so spread out, and, you know, sometimes, like, certain groups, like, I don't know for what other reason, maybe they don't blend well or just they don't know how to reach out to each other. But I remember because I was always traversing the two, I would go to like a No Age show or an Abe Bogota show and go see Hit Me Back at a backyard in South Central. And it was it was really cool. Were you at the infamous dystopia show at the smell that caused punk to kind of be banned from there for years? No, I heard about it, though. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about that show. If I ever got uh, an influx of cash to make a TV series, I'd want to make like a Ken Burns style TV show. And that would be one of the things I would cover because I've heard so many different accounts from it. Like you're saying, it's just such a storied event for Los Angeles. It is. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I got into, too, is there was a time where I kind of fell off and I wasn't keeping up with punk. And then by the time I started keeping up again, there was a lot of interesting, cool bands coming out of south central los angeles like hit me back uh then later on there was bands like generacion suicida i don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with them fantastic really great band really really great band and then there was other bands from santa Ana, like ausencia there was a great band they were playing like spanish oi mm-hmm. they were like really influenced by like spanish bands and french bands and then there was yeah was there was another band called destruye y huye they were like a female punk band from like from la possibly from this neighborhood called huntington park or south central one of those neighborhoods but like all female all latina like i was i was discovering all these like seven inches by these bands and that was a really exciting time so, like one of the things that i've found like you know talking about discord or talking about that danger house scene is there's obviously a, a little bit of capital around to mm-hmm. document these bands and these scenes but you know that's why i was union 13 i love that band and at the time 
there were just so few bands from East Los Angeles that were able to put out records. Like they were one of the few bands that I think really got some stuff out. So it's amazing how much stuff probably mm -hmm. went unrecorded. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of stuff went unrecorded. And then in places like South Central and Long Beach, there was a lot of bands putting out their own. Like, I don't think they, they kind of existed in this, maybe this smaller bubble of like, of South Central, East LA and a more Latino community oriented mm -hmm. scene. But they were putting out really great stuff like and some of them, I think, like bands like Hit Me Back might have. I think they toured internationally. They had records like, too. Hit Me Back. They had yeah. records. Yeah. yeah, they had records. And that was a real big thing. And I think Generación Suicida tours internationally. Mm -hmm. And it was. Yeah, they were great. But also, I just there was a being from Southern California in L.A. It was really cool to just find out the bands, even the old 80s bands that come out of L.A., or LA County or Southern California, like Channel Three. Yeah. Um, you know, Adolescence, um, you know, uh, uh, Agent Orange. These are all bands that I was also like, I got a job. I just remember my sole purpose was to get a job just so I got a job at 15 because I needed one to help out my mom, but it was not to buy clothes, it was really to buy CDs and like albums. It was that does I remember, dude, a big point for me was I would buy shit I didn't know based off covers dude I went to this there was a record it's still there it's a record store in LA called Soundsations in Westchester close to like LAX and I was looking at the CDs and I saw Reagan Youth the 30 pop collection yeah. pop song collection yeah and I was like I was kind of like what is this shit because they was like they were dressed like KKK guys it's a or sketchy whatever. cover it's a sketchy cover and then I was like, I was looking at like, I remember I, I flipped it over and I saw a song called Jesus Christ was a communist. And I got contact. I said, okay, they're not racist. This is kind of like, they're playing with imagery here. They're kind of like, and then I looked at one of the names and I said, I bet this seems like this guy might be Jewish or something. Mm. And then I like bought that based off of the cover. And that was <laughs> such a huge deal. Yeah. Huge, huge deal. It blew my mind so what was the first show you ever went to like or, or even concert before that man first concert was probably like mexican music that my family was listening to i remember there was there was a singer from mexico her name was gloria trevi and she she was kind of like a joan jett pat benatar oh awesome type. yeah and i went i went to go see her when i was a kid when i was like probably five or six and then the first concert I might have seen, I was very young, but it might have been Rage Against the Machine, which was a huge deal for me. And I really love Rage. And they even opened me up to punk. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I remember looking at those thank yous and being like, Ian Mackay, Joe Strummer, who the fuck is that? And finding, you know, like finding out. But I, if, but punk, maybe I might have been a no effect show. Might have been a no effect show. Yeah, the, if I can remember correctly. That must have been huge at that point, too. Oh, huge. Yeah, huge. It was like, it It was so huge. I think it was a no effect show at the Old Palace. And that was like, really huge at the time. It was like, it was during that like, no, like Epitaph Fat Records era. Mm -hmm. And I think probably they had like good riddance open up for them or somebody like that. And it, it was really huge at the time. So I think that must have... That might have been my first punk show that I can recall, possibly. Those bands must have been making 
just so much money at that point because like you know it's the cd era yeah and those bands would sell cds and they'd be getting 50 percent from fab yeah. records of it too that's great yeah that was that was a great time i just like it was i i i don't listen to those bands and as much anymore i can have an appreciation for them historically like like you know what's so funny i was so petty at the time when i was a kid because i think I think on so long and thank you for all the shoes. He had like a diss song to like bikini kill or like that right girl stuff. Like, and I just remember being like, oh fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> like I just went. He's his own I, worst enemy sometimes, fat Mike. Yeah. And I picked the side. I just remember I just thought, I just go, man, I'm I'm gonna roll with them because their music kind of scared me more. I yeah. remember. I remember hearing like Bikini Kill when I was a kid and that anger was like, it felt so visceral and real. And I've only probably ever heard my mom scream like that. <laughs> so to me, I was just in, I was just like, all right, you know what? Like, and it's a silly thing. I was a kid, you know? Well, and yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Let me cut you off there, but oh, it, no. it, it, that like once again with bikini kill that anger is coming from a real place in the same way yeah. despise you singing about real shit that they are living mm -hmm. bikini kill like is singing about real shit that they're living in an experience so like that is like yeah there's like um i don't know there's just something about those bands when like a band is singing like you're saying like metal mm. is so much more fantasy to it and that's yeah. why i could never really connect with them the same sort of way whereas like people are just singing about their lives and it's it's reality music yeah it feels that way and it was it was so funny and then around that time i just started like either going towards older stuff or stuff that felt like felt a little more artier or a little more angular like i loved fugazi and then i was into a lot of those discord bands and then i was learning about kill rock stars and then even some of that like some of that like power violence stuff from the bay like spaz it felt like interesting like angular like angry arty it yeah. felt like it felt arty in a way even like despise you sort of felt arty in a way and then yeah i was just getting into a lot of those bands getting into at the drive-in there was i think i saw there was a club down here called pch club in like in wilmington or one of those neighborhoods and i went to go see like I think I might have seen at the drive-in during In Casino Out or something, and that was like a big deal for me seeing at the drive-in. Yeah, that's when I saw him too. Uh, I, yeah. Maybe even on the same tour, but I saw him at the Gilman on, on yeah. that era, and they were just like, like they were great the whole run, obviously, and and you yeah. Know, but like at that point, like there, I'd never seen anything like that. Me neither. Never had never seen anything like that. And then I remember at the time going down to San Diego to see some of those gravity records bands oh that's like, awesome yeah going to like the czech cafe over at the university and then when i was like maybe 18 19 i went to the casbah and you know seeing some of those like yeah some of those old gravity bands were really fucking cool yeah and that's such a you know once again like it, it's amazing when you look at san diego and just all the stuff that's happening on top of each other from like drive like jehu to like the 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 uh gravity record stuff to blink 182 yeah. Like just... yeah it's crazy it's such like it's so different it's yeah. like it trips me out but 
Yes, I got really into San Diego stuff. That Gravity Records was a big scene. I mean, even if you think about like, you think of bands like Eniac Arrow were existing around the same time of like Pinback, mm-hmm. which was like both were so equally so cool, you know? Yeah, and I think it's yeah. like at that point, especially because there's it's interesting. I, I, like Tim Barry when he was on from Avail, like was mm-hmm. we were talking about how like because we're all exposed to the same media now. Yeah. It, it it's it's kind of creating a mono culture for I, people. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. It's it. You know what I was because of that monoculture. I always say you'll never get another Nirvana again mm. mm-hmm. because it because like or you'll never get another whatever thing like that because since it's a monoculture, nothing's festering. Yeah. You know, nothing's kind of. I could be wrong. I mean, I th- I think things are now deeply like suited in the underground. Yeah, like it's funny too, because like, you know, and I know this is now it feels like it's very much part of the current monoculture. But like, I don't think you'll get another Drake because in the same yeah. way Nirvana came out of festering in the Pacific Northwest, Drake came out of Canadian Toronto hip hop. Yeah, it's kind of festering where he didn't get a lot of respect from a lot of local people here and just kind of yeah. like did his thing and it, and it, it broke through, but like, I, you know, that's, that's a long time ago now. Yeah, you're right. That guy, that guy has been around for a while. You, I forget that he's been around since like 2011. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even yeah. longer in Toronto, like doing stuff yeah, too. Absolutely. So it feels like, yeah, like that's it. A lot has changed by that point. Like we have now entered this sort of new mm-hmm. feels like this is what, it's going to settle at with streaming and that's how we take in our media now. Yeah. It's really interesting, man. It's uh, the one thing I tried to do with the show because I love punk music so much is I tried to sneak in punk nuggets in there into yeah. the show. And I was able to get some songs. I, in the first episode, I got a song by this really great, like punk band from Santa Ana. They sing in Spanish called Toscos. And they're really great. They're uh, they're they're put out by this label called Verdugo Discos and Discos. And reached out to them. I had just seen them a few times over the years, and uh, we were able to license their music. We were able to license some stuff from Generación Suicida, and we were able to get fucked up Ronnie by DOA. <laughs> I know. I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, you know, more love that's being shown to DOA. Out yeah. of uh, South Central Los Angeles than is being shown to them out of Canada. So yeah. thank you for that because oh, it, that was a huge deal for me. I love DOA, Hardcore Eighty One. Uh, something's going to change. All that first album, like I, DOA, those albums they did with Jello Biafra. Oh, like, amazing, amazing, dude. They and they are also like that's why I thought you know it's so awesome that you do that because it's not like they're getting a lot of love up here on the radio or they're not, we don't yeah. really have a Canadian rock and roll hall of fame. That's going to put them in anytime soon. So yeah, it's really up to, you know, people discovering them through these places like this fool where they're, they're being yeah. shown a little bit of love right now. I, what was so cool was somebody like, dude, um, what was cr- crazy was, um, and I'm getting to meet cool people because of it. Like I got a DM from Mike McGran, who was who's the singer of Channel Three. That's all. <laughs> yeah. 
I got a DM and I love Channel 3. Yeah, like, I love Channel. Those first two Posh Boy albums that, that were on Ch that Channel 3 did are like mind-blowingly good, you know? And he hit me up and he just said, hey, man, quick question. Where is all this punk, this little punk shit coming from? I, I spit out my beer when I saw there was a DOA song. And I said, dude, first and foremost, I need to acknowledge that you're Mike from Channel 3. <laughs> Like, this is a big deal to me that you're fucking, that you reach, that you're watching this show. And he was like, oh, man, I love this show. You know, like, he goes like, we grew up to some, we grew up in some neighborhoods that had this kind of gang presence. And we knew some of these, like, homeboy types or whatever. And he was so cool, dude. And I, we, like, chopped it up a little bit. And he, like, sent me Channel 3's newest album. And it was like... It was just so cool, man, getting to do that. And even people like, yeah, people having that DOA song, people will hit me up or like having a, like some, I wear a Crudos t-shirt in the show. Mm -hmm. People hit me up about that Crudos t-shirt. I wear a Love and Rockets t-shirt, which is not the band. It's the comic book that I love. Well, I was going to ask, when did you first get exposed to Love and Rockets, the comic book? The comic book was through my friend Efren Martinez. I was... I was maybe 16 at the time and he was a little older than me and we were reading comic books at the time, but he, it was, we were starting to read indie stuff and I was still somewhat in the superhero world and he gave me some love and rockets. Let me borrow some. And it kind of blew my mind that it was a little surreal and I don't think I was ready for it yet. And I, I didn't hop on right away. A year later, I couldn't stop thinking about it because there was like a a punk presence in it you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. and then there was even there's even a fictional punk band in love and rockets called ape sex that yeah. i always like talk about and um i went back to it and i started reading love and rockets i i love the work by gilbert hernandez and jaime hernandez and then finding out that their brother played in dr no yeah and and that they just finding out everything was really cool was love and rockets was a huge deal because they you know even even gilbert's work that does it's not like locas where it's not maggie and hopi sometimes in some of his short stories he would reference t-rex or david bowie and like or this like other punk stuff and uh, glam and punk stuff and it was through the hymas stuff that like really blew me away so I wanted to sneak in stuff that was part of my personality into the show since it's loosely based off of my life and getting to wear a love and rocket shirt. And I have a lot of pride in correcting people when they go, oh, I'm so glad you love the band. And I go, no, no, this is the comic book. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think their art is just so incredible. And I, I got yeah. exposed to them through the movie Compa Confidential, the documentary about the history of comics. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, knowing about it as a kid and then finally getting the comics when I was a little bit older, yeah. but then seeing it when I got in a punk show up on these punk flyers and, and Oxnard show posters yeah. and things like that. It's like, I was like, oh my gosh, it's all connected. Everything cool. Everything is connected. Yeah. yeah. Even on the show, like looking at, you know, Fred being involved in the show and of course yeah. making a great appearance on it. But then mm -hmm. Michael Imperioli, like here's two guys yep. both from New York punk Mm -hmm. completely separate scenes but both from new york punk rock yep i remember talking to michael imperioli who was amazing to work with and he would just like 
he's in a great band called Zopa, who's amazing. And we would talk about Lou Reed all the time. He's a big <laughs> Lou Reed guy. But he's also, he just like, he loves punk. And I always tell him Summer of Sam is, to me, it's like the closest thing we'll ever get to Please Kill Me being a movie. Mm. You know, that book, Please Kill Me by Legs McNeil, because yeah. it kind of, yeah. it captures that spirit of like, what was going on in New York in a gritty way. And like, yeah, and he, he co-wrote that. And then he was also into like, we would talk about his love for like Bush Tetras and No Wave and like. He's a deep yeah. head for all that stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. and, and also one of the most sincere, like disarmingly sincere people I've ever met. Yeah, really sweet and earnest. Yeah. Very, very talented. And he was really cool. Like he, he, he would tell me about bands that he would listen to. We would talk about music all the time. He was such a great guy. And then, you know, finding out like, I knew this from early on, but like I had a circus lupus uh, trench mouth split. Oh, that's a great split. That's a great split. Really, really good split. Absolutely. And, and I remember when I first started seeing Fred Armisen and knowing about him, and I somebody told me that's the dude from Trench Mouth. I was <laughs> like, what? Because I, I think that Empire versus the Sun album is like really great, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think they're an underrated band. And you had a great interview with the singer. Oh, amazing band. I like, you know, yeah. I think their band is like, super underrated, especially, you know, my my dream is to have him and Cedric from At The Drive and sit down together because Cedric has such admiration for that band and the influence yep. is so clear that, yep. that, and you know, like, I just think, like you're saying, they're really underrated for their place in music. You know, and then yeah. obviously they get brought up a lot now being his Fred's band, but it's like, mm, there's a oh, lot, yeah. a lot more going on there. Yeah, a lot more going on. And yeah, it was cool. And Fred was such a nice guy very early on. Like, I think the first time I met him when he attached himself to the project as a as a producer, I was wearing a Discord T-shirt and he just said, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, that's cool. He's someone who I find, you know, is is so deeply affected by punk it's mm -hmm. like when you bring it up to him like it, it's it's like a well you know and it, i bring this up all the time now it's almost like a broken record but it is almost like a religion in yeah no you know, totally and, absolutely and like in all the bands you're saying like we have this shorthand where you talk about ebullition i know immediately what you mean in terms of the yep. bands from that scene and everything like that or like it just it, i don't know it, it feels like there's this like deep uh deep connection we have to this thing that i don't know oh, if it would yeah. be the same if it was metal no yeah it was and and you know what's funny even the metal i love the metal that i really do love is feels like it's a punk influence there yeah you know yeah yeah i totally get aside that aside from sabbath even though sabbath <laughs> is my favorite metal band of all time i love sabbath I always fly the sabbath flag but like yeah even some of the metal i really like like you know, I think about how much I love Power Trip, and I know they were influenced by punk. And oh, hardcore. God, yeah. I remember, yeah. oh, my God, I've known those kids since they were kids, you know? Yeah. So I guess we were all kids, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Well, you look at Slayer, right? Jeff from Slayer yeah. was a, into hardcore, and, like, Metallica obviously reps punk stuff. Like, yeah, punk runs deep in all the, the really good metal stuff. Yeah, and it's affected the way I kind of, like, I try to the way I treat people, the way I like, you know, I, 
even sometimes when people message me about the show, even if I don't have time to write them a big, long message, I give them a heart or I say, thank you. I really appreciate it. Because I just remember like anytime I would see a band, I would go see a band and that maybe I perceived to be big. They were nice, mm. you know, or they were like, it felt like community or even a big deal for me, man. Back in 2019, I was headlining in Washington, D.C. And I don't know, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to make it my mission to meet Ian Mackay. And I don't, I ended up, there was a guy who does stand up. His name is George Chen. And he's out of the, he's out of the Bay Area, but he worked at Alternative Tentacles. And I mentioned it to him and he says, I got Ian's email. I'll give it to you. And I sent Ian an email and this is how much I, I try to insert punk in a very subtle way into everything I do. And I, I, I made a flyer. I made two flyers for the shows I was headlining. One was out of step where it was like my name in the minor threat font. And then my head on a sheep set on the black sheep set. <laughs> and then there was the, there was the, the cassette, the bad brains cassette tape. I made a parody of that with my head being the capital getting struck by lightning. And I sent them that stuff. And then, um, I told them I'm a comic, I'm coming to DC. If you feel like if you would love, I can't tell you how much DC has played a role in my life. And if you'd like to come out, I could put you on the guest list. And he wrote me back and he says, I can't make it because I, I hang out with my son and my wife on the weekends, but why don't you come to the house and I'll give you a tour. And oh, dude, it blew my mind. I was just like, all right, cool. <laughs> I fucking that like Friday or Saturday morning, I took an Uber or Lyft and then I got out this Uber and Lyft and then he was outside. He goes, Chris, I go, yeah. He goes, what's up, man? And we shook hands and then he we hung out like heavy for like an almost two hours. He gave me a, we went to the basement yeah the famous basement yeah oh man i couldn't believe it went to the basement went to the archive room he was like you're from la right yeah he goes he showed me all his original slash magazines um it's wild it's like the best wild. it's it and it's it's like it's weird and i'm sure he would hate to hear us describe it like this but it is feels like going to some sort of like hallowed ground like where you're walking yeah. in and you're like this means something and yeah it's it's chase and it feels special and yeah it's weird yeah. it's weird how like it's almost like everything about it has been to try and not be that thing yes but in being that it has become that thing because of that yeah yeah and that's almost that's the purity of it because i don't think he does it for those reasons like i've heard him just say well i'm just motivated by the work by the work that's in front of me mm -hmm. and i've always been that way and i think because of that everything comes off so pure and its intentions come off pure, pure. and that's why it's so easy to like romanticize it because the work because of its purity and its in intention becomes so special I mean, all that like minor threat stuff, all that discord stuff, all that like teen idol stuff. And they just really, they really planted a seed and like, and he really was into me being from LA. So he, he gave me this ticket from, he, he had a few, a stack of them. And it was when the teen idols played the Hong Kong. What? <laughs> That's amazing. And he gave me one. And then he gave me one. He goes, look, I'll give you the one where we scratched. They misspelled our name. So it was either me or Jeff who in pin scratched that off and wrote 
and spelled it idols correctly. <laughs> so who do they play? Was that the one they played? Or was that in San Francisco? They played the show. They got chased out by that other band, right? They, there's like that story where they got chased out of a show because they broke the other band's amp. I think that was San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. Here, here in LA, they played with like, I forgot who they played with. They played with this like band called spit and vomit or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's blood split and puke, right? I think it is. Really? Like, yes. Yes. That's the biker band that beat that chased him out for uh okay fucking the amp up. Yeah, and they were from like some they were some they were from, not from LA. They were from like Bakersfield or Victorville or something <laughs> like that. And he told yeah. Do you know where I can find did they ever put out anything? They did. There's an LP and the LP has oh. one of the craziest covers where if I'm not mistaken there's like a family and the, the band's holding guns to the heads, including like this little girl. And like yeah. one of the dudes in the band's got like a gun to her head. Yeah. It's a gnarly, gnarly record. I think it got reissued. Uh, I don't remember who did it, but I'll, I'll let you know. I will, I will yeah. find out and, and let you know, but I think Thanks. it's blood, spit I, and puke, right? I think yep. That's yep. That's right. I, I figured they were like a, a killed by death band. Like I, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, they're probably on one of the killed by death comps that I don't know about or I don't have or whatever. I don't know yeah. if they got comped or if it, but they're just like, you know, that kind of like ilk where like the record several yeah. hundred dollars for an OG type thing. Yeah, that's um, great, man. Oh, it's but been on was, my want list for a while. Yeah, he was really cool. He just showed me around and then he, I was telling him how much I love Fugazi and Minor Thread and he played some Fugazi demos for me and B-sides and then. It was really cool. Then we went across the street to the warehouse where Discord warehouse and just what a great guy. He told me, I told him how much I love the Minutemen. He told me some D Boone and Mike Watt stories and just a really nice guy. And he said, he said, Hey, thanks for coming out. And you know, that's kind of the point is to share this, you know? Yeah. And he was just great, man. He, he gave me a, an instrument poster for that Jem Cohen had made. And it, it was really great. That's awesome. It's it's interesting to kind of watch because I think I don't know if in the nineties it was like that in the same sort of maybe it was, but like yeah. to watch it kind of transition where he's like an elder states person for this music and sort of like a I don't know, like a keeper of the flame that he's passing on to people. Cause like it feels like in the nineties, I don't know, maybe maybe it was. I, mean, I wasn't around, so I've I, yeah. I don't know, but it just like I don't, you don't hear about like the old nineties hardcore bands going to hang out the discord house from DC. Yeah. Yeah. You probably don't. And it was like, but it was really cool for him to do that. And mm -hmm. then who else have I met? Then I met Michelle Gonzalez from, uh, I haven't met her in person, but I met her on Twitter from Spitboy. Yeah. And she was really sweet. She sent me like a Spitboy t-shirt and I love Spitboy and I love her memoir and she was just great. So it's, and it was really cool to find out that she watched the show and it was like, it was really cool. Yeah. It must feel like, you know, it, it's one thing to make a TV show, but then to have it kind of hit with the people you wanted to hit with. Yeah. That's been, that's been really cool. Like to have people like, dude, when I go do stand up, sometimes people like punks will come out and then they go, Hey man, you, the fact that you wear a Crudos or a Clash t-shirt or a Joe Strummer t-shirt or like I, when Love and Rocket shirt came on, I knew that was the book. Like yeah. I knew, <laughs> like I knew it wasn't the band. And then they or they'll they'll be like, though. What's really cool is like they'll ask me sometimes. They'll be like, 
who were those other bands? And then I'll tell them, oh, that was this band called Toscos, and that was this other band called Generación Suicida. And it's really cool to introduce them to the, the that they'll go, I'm going to go look for their stuff. And I go, yeah, please do go to Bandcamp, buy their stuff on Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. like, or like even we have a question mark in the Mysterian song on there, and people have like messaged me like, Who's this? Who's that band? And I go question mark in the Mysterians, and then they'll go. I'm gonna go look for them. I go, please do. I try to send them in the right way because I just I get excited that they're they find out or like other people who found out that DOA was on it and and just like yeah, different types of punk bands. It was cool. Well, because you can't like you bands. I think need to well, the bands do rely on this now to be exposed to people because it's not like. Yeah. There's not like a record store necessarily where someone could tell you to buy the Hooster Do record. Yep. It's just sort of like you're just stuck in a sea of content, yeah. just grasping at anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what's so funny? I got to admit to you, when I, I, in years of listening to this podcast, I, I had a fantasy. Uh, yeah. If I said, if one day I'm on that podcast, I'm going to fucking tell Damien what's wrong with him. The Clash is the best fucking band of all time. And you know what's so funny? is but there's equally important bands that i don't love in the same way yeah. like there's and then i just thought to myself you know what and and i don't dislike them i think they're great and i love their place in history but i'm like if i had to be honest agnostic front is not a band that i really listen to but you know what what the clash means to me is what agnostic front means to other people mm -hmm. and i could and I totally love Agnostic Front and what they represent and I, like and what they mean to the scene. And I and I have a lot of love for Agnostic Front. I, I don't necessarily play their music, but I I, I can watch interviews with Vinny Sigma all fucking day. <laughs> I, I love that documentary. I love Roger. Like I just, you know. Yeah. No. And I think with the clash and, and also Fugazi, like I, I talk yeah. a lot of smack about these bands on here, but I think it's because it's like almost like just like questioning your religion you know yeah, I that's feel okay like, you know yeah, and these totally are okay. these are the gods you know especially yeah, they're the gods they're yeah. the gods you know like there's certainly yeah. infallible bands in a lot of people's yeah. minds and i think joe strummer and ian mckay yeah. represent two chaste people and obviously yeah. geniuses and their respective yeah. things but yeah at the same time like yeah, like it's just it's just throwing stones at the at the statues type thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to like I just remember thinking when they and this dude, this was so funny. This was years <laughs> ago. And I just remember thinking if I'm lucky enough to ever do that podcast, because I love this podcast. And I said, <laughs> if I'm lucky enough to ever do, I'm going to fucking tell him. And then I just thought to myself, I'm like, what am I talking about? I love fucked up. He's the Damien seems like such a sweet dude. And there's bands that represent the clash to are what the like the clash mean to me that like some other band would mean to them that I don't maybe love, you oh, know? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I feel like that's, that's been the most humbling part of this, uh, era of music to me is like watching all these bands reform and people lose their minds. Yeah. And I'm like, really that band? Like it's, yeah. but I guess that's because we all have different relationships to the, this music, but that's why when yeah. here here you bring up despise you and union 13 yeah. and obviously los crudos and and mm. even no effects like these are these are my <laughs> these are my touchstones yeah. you know these yeah. are the bands that hit with me yeah absolutely i totally get it and to me even just like even just going back and thinking of things like 
you know, I start with Minor Threat. That was my gateway into Fugazi. But I got to say, just seeing that, like, cover of Alec Mackay on the, on the footsteps of the thing, dude, just being, like, a depressed fucking 13, 14-year-old, that resonated. And then I heard that, and I was like, man, such real, like, it felt so honest and real and you know i think it's also uh, there's just something about that minor threat stuff where there's and only recently i started to appreciate how catchy it is but there's just something when you hear it where it's like it's hooky yeah you know what's crazy i can now that i'm older i can understand the influence that like sham 69 had on like minor threat Mm -hmm. and like that oi stuff and i realized like i could hear it it's really cool I love yeah. looking at like, uh, and we were talking about this er- off air before, about the OIS stuff too, but like the sort of the cultural ping pong in yeah. punk that goes back between the UK and America. And yep. it's like these bands that influence each other. And then it's almost like not necessarily forgotten about, but it's, it's kicked over to the other place and it becomes something completely different and it's taken yep. up. And I think you still see it today, obviously with the, the new generation of bands. Yeah, I mean, I just think about like Wire's influence on like, yeah, you know, Wire's influence on the Minutemen and like, or, you know, the pop group's influence on the Minutemen. Like, it's just, it's insane. Or that like post punk stuff's influence on like SST. It blows me away. Yeah. And like, or yeah, all that stuff. It really. Well, we were talking about the monoculture. We were talking about that earlier. It's like, that's what you're going to miss now is this sort of like, certain records hitting a scene and Mm -hmm. changing every band at once as they're all just like oh my gosh this record let's let's all try and do our take on this thing now yeah absolutely and yeah i wonder if you don't maybe that doesn't happen as much anymore i I, i'm not sure i i hope i hope it does there's probably pockets of it there's some bands that like i've been listening to that really like there's this band called Sweeping Promises mm. that I came across. They are really, really great. They're off of, a, they're on, what's that record? Feel It Records, I think. Uh, yeah, Feel It, Feeling It Records, is it? Feel feeling It, it or yeah. something like that. This band called Sweeping Promises, very like great. I think they're out of Boston, very new wavy, like no wavy sound. And it's really cool to find bands that I go, oh, I could tell they were influenced by, re- they were directly influenced by the raincoats, the slits like it's really cool to hear that i guess what you have now that is like you're it's almost like international scenes where you have a bunch of bands being on a similar wavelength all over the world like i I guess you see it with that emo trap happening and there was like a bunch of it wasn't like it was local it wasn't like revolution summer in dc it it happened all over the world with in little pockets and maybe that's more what's Mm -hmm. happening now there's bands doing all different styles but it's not going to be like one place saturated yeah. with it. You know, I'm obsessed with this, with this. I, I'm not a big emo guy in the sense that like, I love, I mean, I'm obsessed at what this mutation of emo has become. Mm. Like, it's really weird. It's like, cause I love, I, I love right to spring. I love embrace. Uh, and I was around that era of like, where people were probably even calling bands like, like it, drive like yahoo were even being called emo or at the drive-in was being called emo yeah or yeah. like you know sort of so that's the stuff that i kind of associate with it but i don't really consider it emo but like it's really weird like how that word's become a part of the lexicon now and like 
and even I think of this like we when we were young festival it's not anything I'm into and I'm glad people have have it for them to be into well I think they didn't have it in the end right like didn't a bunch of it get canceled yeah a bunch of it got canceled but what's really interesting to me is like this kind of like what's so fascinating to me about that stuff is that like people are really into this stuff and I go man I feel like that meme, you know, that meme where that guy's chilling in the corner as a party's happening <laughs> yeah. and he, and then it, I feel like I would be at, when we were young, I go, huh, if they only knew about embrace. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. Cause like it has become almost like the complete opposite. Like if you're like, look at what yeah. Fugazi was. Yeah. or embrace or or any of that stuff and like put them and and just say like what was the complete opposite it's like well a bunch of people that are going for it you know yeah with proper hair stylists yeah. and yeah it's a, just like a very it's it's almost like yeah the complete opposite it'd be like if metal in 2023 sounded like burt backrack now and yeah like, yeah this is the same thing yeah <laughs> It's crazy. It really blows my mind. Or like sometimes I'll hear like I'll be listening to like the local hip hop station and then they'll use the word emo or they'll be like, yeah. And I go, wow, what a trip, because I still I still at the time remember like when I was a kid and somebody was calling at the drive in emo and it just was blowing my mind to now we're in like this weird place where like it's not the kind of music I'm into, but there's even like kids doing like their version of like emo rap and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's it's crazy how that came out of hardcore, and then there was a joke called emo core, and Ian MacKay didn't appreciate being called emo core, and like it's just so crazy that like you can you can follow that back to punk and yeah. DC. I love looking at like where where did this happen with emo and it must yeah. have been it must have been jimmy world kind of era right like yeah mm-hmm. i think i think that's where it happened because i don't think it happened with other bands before that like i can't amend like with those midwest bands i think it happened with these more like a jimmy world probably like or, or, or sunny day real estate maybe a like, little bit too yeah yeah probably sunny day or like you know but it's yeah, it's interesting it, it's really interesting where it is now and mm-hmm. like it's it's so crazy it just trips me out that it, it has its roots what whether they love it or not into like dc yeah 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 i like i would love to go with ian mckay to when we were young and be like okay as yeah. soon i guess linda linda's played i imagine he would be into the linda linda's but i can't see yeah. too many other bands on that bill that he would no. yeah yeah <laughs> i, I there's not too many bands. I'm, I mean, I, I'm glad that people have those bands for them to listen to, but there's not too many that I would think I would be into. But also, yeah, just what a so crazy. Yeah, it's it's amazing how it it just keeps being sort of the uh, the not all culture, obviously, but like the beating heart of a certain segment of pop culture is constantly coming out of punk rock all these yeah. years later. Yep. Absolutely. Even in terms of fashion and like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's really interesting. The things that like people do that comes out of that just fashion, like even like, you know, Vivian's Westwood's impact on culture and like, it it just, it blows my mind or like seeing these, 
seeing these new bands like discovering like I don't know I I'm or seeing like what I like is I'm not I don't I'm not familiar with Turnstile but what I like about Turnstile is people are going to listen to Turnstile and hear interviews with them and then they're going to go back and they're going to buy a Gorilla Biscuits album oh hopefully. yeah oh no and, rising tide raises all ships you know, like a hundred yeah can you can I do something super unprofessional can I run to the bathroom for like two oh, seconds boy, dude. Okay. Sorry about that. I was up late with the kids and, <laughs> and now I'm drinking oh, Coca-Cola and it's yeah not a good idea okay. for me. But uh yeah. this is amazing. I like I knew you were uh, like gonna be ahead, but like how deep yeah. you go and all the all my favorite things to talk about. So oh, I thank love you it, for man. doing this, man. Yeah, no, thank you. I think I just uh I nerd out about this stuff. I love punk docs, I love punk books. My girlfriend's not into punk, so what's really makes my girl what makes me laugh about my girlfriend is she she tells me she goes another punk documentary. She goes <laughs> one time she she jokingly tweeted she tweeted about like um, I'm not into punk but through my boyfriend I'm fine there's I'm finding out there's way too many punk documentaries about different types of punk bands and then what's really funny is the Descendants documentary tweeted at her and go tell him to check us out. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, it's it's um it's kind of amazing to go from a time where you had like decline, you had like maybe like a handful, maybe they're like fifty punk movies that you had to see. Another state of mind. Another state of mind. Like internationally, there were like UK yeah. DK. There was like a few. Yeah. But now it's at a point where like, you know, I went on Tubi the other day and I'm watching a mentors documentary and I'm like, wow, they've really made a documentary about wow. everything. About everything. Real quick, I want to say I was talking to. Jaime Hernandez and Gilbert Hernandez. And, and I heard this story through a, on Alice Bag on your podcast had mentioned that they were at the punk massacre at the yeah. Elks Lodge in Los Angeles. And then I confirmed it with them. And they were like, yeah, we were there. We were like, it was, we went there to go see X and the, and the Alley Cats and the Go-Go's. And I think the Zeros were playing. And I just wanted to wanted to connect that. And it was like, it was so cool to get that confirmed because I think Alice Bag on your podcast was like, I'm not exactly sure. I think they were there. And then to find out that they confirmed by them that they were there was amazing. That's so awesome. I love, yeah. I love that narcor scene and like yeah. looking at like all, like the fact that you have Love and Rockets, Brandon Cruz, uh yeah like uh josh brolin Langwagon, yeah. like they're all like somehow in this like weird you know footnote of a scene dude it trips me out i follow toby morse from h2o on instagram and i met him one time he's a really sweet guy and he it was cool to meet him because i h2o is amazing and i'm not a big new york guy but h2o has always been the exception for me mm. always has always been the exception for me and, and then to see to, one day I was like, found out through his Instagram. I was like, he had, I found out that like Josh Rowland was played in a version of RKL or like, or maybe played in some sort of like band. Pre-RKL my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking insane. <laughs> insane. It's, it's wild when you find a like, it just never ends, right? Like there's a constantly yeah. like finding out about different people that were involved in yeah. these bands and like are, are involved in hardcore like i was talking before elgin james uh before i was going on yeah uh, to talk yep. to you and he he and i were talking and i'm like yeah i'm gonna be talking to the guy from this fool and he's like oh my god that shows 
He's like, that's yeah. awesome. That's crazy. He's one of us. And I'm like, yeah, he's one yeah. of us. Dude, Our- that fool, he was in bands like he wasn't. Yeah. Have he you heard his episode? Dude, his episode is one of my favorites, dog. His episode. <laughs> it, was, is- it still blows my mind, that episode. And, and I trip out. I go, he's a fucking Hollywood. He's a showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? it's the only episode that has tales of beating up Gigi Allen and Robert Redford. Insane. <laughs> it's so- just fucking crazy, man. I just. I love it when it ties in and I love when there's people in, I, I love when you find out that people are into this stuff. It's just, it blows my mind. It make it, I just go, that's, you're part of the tribe. Yeah. And, and it does feel like that. It does feel like there's like, I don't know, like it's, it's almost like you can check people's resumes. Like you yeah. can be like, I, like I was hanging out with my friend RJ and I'm like, so mm-hmm. is that dude from this fool? Like, is he a hardcore kid? And he's like, oh, dude, he went to shows. Yeah, we, I know him from shows. Like, Gilbert yeah. knows him from shows. Like, yeah. Oscar knows him from shows. Like, like yeah, he's a, he's a dude who goes to shows. Like, we're all yeah. weirdly connected. Like, we all, like, know each other. It's like, forget seven yeah. degrees of Kevin Bacon. There's three degrees of punk. Yeah, absolutely. Even, like, I remember going to shows in South Central, going to shows and, like, going up to Gilman to see shows. And I was a big, like, uh, I was really into, like, Batter Brains or, like, what's Sarah Kirsch's last band? The Wayne Country Motherfuckers or something like that. It was Mother Country, Mother Country Motherfuckers. Okay. If you get a chance, check out their album, Confidential Human Source. Uh, it was, they were phenomenal. But, yeah, just going to bands, going, going to shows and, like, I, you know, when I got into, when I started doing stand-up, I stopped going to shows. But, like, it in a weird way, I was part of the alternative comedy scene and the independent comedy scene. And in a weird way, that felt like because I don't play music. And my only way to contribute to the punk scene was really I was just going to shows and being somebody who loved it. Yeah. And and I felt like maybe like a voyeur in a way or because maybe I wasn't running the scene. I wasn't producing shows. But when I went to punk and I was able to do stand up in it and then I met guys like I don't know if you ever met the comedian Dave Ross, but he's really he 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 was a guy who was like putting out his own records and he was doing DIY shows. And I remember one time seeing that guy at an open mic and he was already above me. Like he was somebody that I thought was really funny. And I saw him wearing a bouncing shows uh, souls t-shirt. <laughs> and I thought, what the fuck? Like and I talked to him and it and he was like, Oh yeah, I love bouncing souls. And like he was telling me the bands that he was into. And he like knew Fat Mike. I did a show randomly, like fat he it was through like fat records and it was like it was crazy <laughs> it's well i think that happened in comedy too right like at a certain yeah. point there was a, a lot of punk even going back like margaret cho when she was just on the show talking yep. about like the punk stuff back then and like yeah Bobcat Goldquate and uh, uh the voice of spongebob squarepants were in a punk band together back in the day right so insane insane, insane. yeah it, it feels like this thing is just like a light bulb that attracts interesting people and will continue to kind of attract them yeah and that was really cool just finding people who are into it because it just it means the world to me did you like did you ever try doing a band never dude i just i never even played an instrument you know what it was there was something about it that i just loved listening to it i didn't feel like i needed to play i didn't feel like i needed to like i just felt like i need to know this more and i it wasn't until I ever got on stage with that. I was, it was through comedy and it was through, I think, you know, what was funny? I, for a long time, I wasn't doing anything that I wanted to do. And I had these dead end jobs 
And I wasn't even, I didn't even have a job that I was a proud of. And, and it was, and it wasn't until years later, I started, I'm, I started comedy when I was 29 and it was only, which was kind of late. It's pretty late. And it was only because I got kind of fed up. I, I was really inspired by punk and hearing people go after it. And I was, I realized that at some point I was letting, I was living vicariously through them. I was, I was living vicariously through hearing Mike Watt, through hearing, through seeing these kids and hit me back toward the, toward the world and the country through hearing like Ian, you know, uh, Kathleen Hanna, like to hearing bad brains, like to hearing people say, just live, go for it. And I, I was never going for it. I was never going for it. And I don't know what it was. It, it was until I started stand up that I felt I'm going for it. And it's because of punk, like, uh, like, okay, you could, I, it was, it was going like, you're going to suck and that's okay. And then, but I know I'm funny. I know I can be funny. And it was just that attitude of saying, well, I'm not going to be a music guy. I know I'm not a music guy. And I, I somehow I never wanted to play. I just, it was once I got, I always wanted to do stand up, and I was too scared. And it was during, it was just getting, finally getting that urge of being like, I got to stop. I got to stop treating what these people are saying like gospel if I'm not following it, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And even if I don't get a career out of it, that's fine. I, at least I tried it. And at least I can be a part of this community within my city. And that was really like the independent comedy scene really offered me that. So who were some of your influences in terms of comedy stuff growing up even? Oh, well, in terms of comedy, it was kind of crazy because it wasn't really the necessarily the the more like alternative. It, it was it was some alternative and some club stuff like I was influenced by Bill Burr mm -hmm. as much as I was influenced by by Maria Bamford and then like or I was influenced by this guy named Felipe Esparza as much as I was influenced by someone like Patton Oswalt okay. so and I think what helped me is in punk the way I grew up in punk there was not a lot of people into punk in my neighborhood so you had to learn how to still be friends with everyone so you couldn't just have your so your best friend was maybe not going to be into punk and that was okay. And, and I think growing up that way, it helped me in comedy because I go, all right, I can't be too referential. I can be, a, I can be a little weird. I can be a little interesting, but I can't be too referential and I can't reference things because some of these crowds aren't going to know if I'm referencing like a dwarves album or like, <laughs> you know, they're not going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. But it forced me to be the way I was with punk is that punk felt like my little secret. Like it felt like, you know, it was a thing that me and a few people I knew were into. But but it, it I kept it as a little secret. Not anything I ever hid, but it just felt like my own thing. But it still forced me to be able to talk to everyone. Like I could talk to the gangster kids. I can talk to the hip hop kids. I could talk to the to all kinds of people that if they're not into what I'm into, that's okay. And that's how I treated comedy, which is like, just be weird. Take that spirit of punk of just go up there and do it. But, but know how to talk to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it because like you grew up in LA, right? But it feels yeah, like, yeah. like LA is like a, a sprawling metropolis. Oh yeah. It's you know, very I'm, segregated. Yeah. Very segregated. And where I grew up, 
it was very, it was it was a black and latino neighborhood it was a working class neighborhood black and latino in and i grew up in inglewood as a kid and then as an adult i lived in south central which is right next door and you know so it was very segregated and it those kids at that time punk is a little more popular down in those neighborhoods now but at that time it wasn't and it was like yeah well does it feel like you're in a different city now like obviously it's the same city but like doing stuff in hollywood does it feel like a, a kind of a completely different world to the los angeles that you're you know because it certainly yeah. looks different than the los angeles are reflecting on the show yeah yeah it very much looks different it's um you know because because of punk i would get on the bus and go to hollywood to see shows yeah and so and and or I would go to like I would find out I would have to drive to North Hollywood. So it it felt it feels different. It made me go. I live in a way that feels metaphorically two hundred miles away, mm. but I knew that it was close. And that city, Los Angeles, is a city that makes you work for it. Like it's not like New York where you're kind of it's transportation is easy, and and once you come out there, it's all in front of you, you know. New, LA makes you work for it. And that's what I love about it. It's, it makes you drive. It makes you on the way to a show or on a way to go meet someone, you could be playing albums in your car. And it, it like it becomes your little insular world. And it, it definitely feels different. Like, you know, LA as a whole feels different. Every neighborhood is so distinctive, you know, like every neighborhood feels so distinctive and the la that i wanted to reflect in the show was that world of south los angeles of neighborhoods like south central inglewood compton long beach gardena like all that stuff i think the first time i saw it reflected in a real way was do you know that movie what's up rockers absolutely yeah i was gonna ask yeah. you about that yeah that was i saw that in like in when that came out and i was a little older than those kids but I was just, and those were the kids who were listening to the casualties. Mm. And, but, but I just love that they were trying to get back to their neighborhood. Mm. They were stuck in Beverly Hills and the mission was to get back to South Central. That like, and it, it explored a little bit of like racial dynamics between like blacks and Latinos at the time in South Central. And these kids were into punk and they were skateboarding. And it was it was so interesting to me. That movie is I love that movie. And yeah, yeah it was a big deal. It's it's Larry Clark, right? Who directed him? Larry Pretty Clark. Sure. Yep. Larry Clark. It's interesting that he did that film and kids because both of them are very reflective of their time periods and youth culture in their yeah. different cities. Yeah, absolutely. He had such a I, I think he's still alive, but yeah, just like talking about and I think he bumped into those kids from my understanding, because I know people who know those guys and they and I don't know those guys personally, but apparently he saw these Latino kids in Venice or Santa Monica skateboarding and they were punks. And he was he was like, oh, I've never seen these like Latino punks. And he talked to them and he said, where do you live? And then they go, we live in South Central Los Angeles. Where's that? How do you. Oh, you took a bus here. OK, this is interesting. Like. And he went and explored their world, and I thought that was so fucking cool. Yeah, it yeah. It, it really is a. Uh, it's it, it's interesting how punk, like you're saying, it does cause social mobility in a way that you might not otherwise experience. You know, like you're exposed to kids, extremely wealthy kids, and then kids yep. that also come from not nothing, next to nothing. 
Yep. That's what's so crazy about it. I just remember like when I was going to the smell in North Hollywood, I was coming. I, I remember I was like this working class kid and I grew up getting like seeing gang violence and all this shit. But at the same time, I was meeting these these women who played in like Mika Mika, <laughs> like, mm. you know, who came from from a different world, you know, who came from or like some of these. It was just different. It was really interesting. And you kind of meet everybody from different places. And, you know, the music means something similar or different to everyone, but it bonds you in a way. Yeah. I remember what was saying at Michelle from Mm -hmm. Mika Miko's house. Mm -hmm. And she lived above Alexis Arquette. And it was the coolest, most LA thing ever, like meeting Alexis Arquette the next day so crazy and then at the same time i was going to shows at this that smell but i was also going to shows in like south central and inglewood and mm-hmm. long beach where the, most of the punks were either like latino some of them were black some of them might have been asian like it, it it was it was interesting but that's what i love about punk it makes you it it makes you work it makes mm-hmm. you deep dive and you you know even in the world of the internet it's, it still makes you work. You still find a blog. You still look up a band. Like, yeah. And that's why, like, that's why I want to do the show originally, because, like, no matter where you're from, and obviously some places it's 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 a tougher road to hoe than others. Yeah, but, of course. But no matter where you're from, there are either, easier paths to pick yep. as a kid. And you're like you're saying, it, it makes you work a little bit for it. And so what made people want to do that work i'm always fascinated by that and me too i'm fascinated i'm fascinated by its international presence mm-hmm. like i just saw a documentary about like malaysian skinheads fighting like like punks like uh, the skin the non-racist skinheads fighting the racist skinheads the more nationalist malaysian skinheads like whoa whoa i gotta uh, see dude, this I, send me the link uh, I'll send you the link. I, I'll I'll reply to the Zoom link. It, yeah. it was blew my mind, and I love seeing those documentaries or even that documentary that like those those are not the bands I was necessarily into, but seeing that Los Punks documentary mm. uh, that like that photographer I forget her name, very talented photographer, but she made a, a a documentary called Los Punks, and it was about like young punk bands in like South Central and East LA, and those the that's. It, that scene's not a scene that I'm familiar with. And maybe I, sonically, I don't know that I'm interested in those bands, but I'm interested that she captured that culture and yeah. that captured those kids. And I think it's cool. Like, I just, I love well, it. And I love that those kids, like, even if it's not the same sound of sound that I'm into, but they all, cl- we all claim this yeah. four letter word in our own way. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy. I mean, I, I trip out on it all the time. Like what an impact it's had on me. And and now even with the show, like the fact that like one of the big things was the T-shirts I was wearing in the show. And there was a thread on Twitter about about that. And that excites me because I go, cool. I just when punks notice it, it's great, man. I love it. And well, and it go like because, you know, I think back to, you know, when I saw Los Crudos shirt in the Rage Against the Machine video and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. he's got a Los Crudos shirt on. That's fucking crazy. And yeah. It's... And then you find out that he was in a hardcore band. Yeah. He... Like inside out. Yeah. And then you're like, and then he connects to, you know, all these dots begin connecting, you know, yeah. and, and it's a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's almost like you doing that kind of keeps that, you know, that, that, that flame alive because 
Yeah. Not a lot of shows have have the stars rocking those shirts these days. Yeah. As much as there is a Hollywood punk takeover. Yeah, but I love that when people make those connections because I go, you know what? Go go on Bandcamp. Go if you have the money, support these bands, support these artists. Like, you know, these are the kind of artists that some of them will message you back and like and they're accessible to you. And that's fucking cool, man. Like that to me is like, I don't know. I just love that. That's what like that there's, you know, this isn't like this isn't like messaging some like some artists that is multi-platinum that you'll never meet, you know? This is like some of these bands will say what's up to you. Yeah. Well, it's also the only place as a young person that you can kind of go and it's going to tell you to to do it. Like you're saying, like yeah. it gave you permission to do comedy in the same way it gave. Obviously, Vivian Westwood's there at the ground floor of it, but gave her permission to make clothing or gave yeah you know Penelope Spheris permission to make these documents. I guess she was already making stuff, but anyway, yeah. gave, gave people permission <laughs> to do stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's what's cool about it. And I think at some point, it, what was great about it for me is that just sometimes I think you sometimes you can let this become the soundtrack to your life. Mm-hmm. And it just is the soundtrack. But at some point I said, I don't I want to take what I what I've over the years, what I've listened to this and fuck it. I'm just I'm just going to go try comedy. It, and it was in the same attitude of of like punk where it was like I, I wasn't doing anything too crazy, but it was it was just the spirit of it, the spirit of like, I'm going to go try this. And it was because of like punk. Yeah. And, and, and like you're saying, it's like permission to be bad. You know, yeah. like there's there's because no one's going to be good at first. And I think that's the thing about punk is there's almost like a, a cheering you on if you're bad. Like there's some of my yeah. favorite bands are bad. Yeah, I love the Dead Boys. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Dead Boys. I fucking, I, I love in a world where you can have like, that's what's so crazy about punk is that you have bands like, you have that like Dead Boys kind of sound while you also have like a band like, like an artier, I don't know. The fact that the Dead Boys and Talking Heads are part of the same scene mm-hmm. blows me away, you know? Or even if, or you think of like, even that old silly beef between Born Against and Sick of It All like oh i love that uh, i love that that's another Have one you that I want to, to do. those tapes oh god yeah that's another one i want to do for yeah. that ken burns style yeah. show like just like yeah. you know re- people like reading letters yeah that's what i love too is sometimes even if there's a scene that i don't i don't feel connected to or a band that i don't feel connected to i love that it, it should exist like i always tell people a lot of that like new york hardcore has a place and it's important because even if I don't listen to all those bands in and they're not my type of bands is it these kids come straight from the streets like you know Freddie Madball he fucking grew up in this shit like you know and maybe he and it can't be as much as there could be a born against and an ABC real like and as much as that is important you need your fucking mad ball and you need your sheer terror and you need all these bands. Like you need to have that diversity in sound. Cause you know, not everybody's going to be, not everybody's going to approach this with a sense of intellect and artiness and that's okay. Some, some, some of these people are going to approach it from a different place of real ang of, of a place that's just like visceral anger. And that's fine. I love that. 
Yeah, like I think that's punk is both of them, right? Like punk oh, is the yeah. street Absolutely. rock and roll and art school art rock meets yep. each other. Yep. And, exactly. and and like I think that's the that's what makes it so special. Like in the same way yeah. that you and me are saying, like we have no connection to whatever's being called emo now. Yeah. It, it comes from the same place that that we're talking to. Like we can follow the lineage back and so yeah yeah like i don't know my 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 uh the thing i, I say it on the show you probably heard it but it's like everybody is somebody's poser like no one's yeah. definition of this thing is true yeah no one's no one i'm 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 a poser to someone i'm sure you know and that's fine that's okay oh yeah like, there's, yeah, people, I, there's people on the show that have 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 talked shit on ian mckay you know and like he's yeah beyond reproach to most of us yeah yeah absolutely and there's like yeah i totally get it and or even in like comedy, like sometimes like like in comedy, there's not a lot of comedians that are into punk. So like sometimes like I used to laugh because I one time I made a meme of like it was it you know that meme is that basketball player he looks confused yeah and then <laughs> I, I put the caption when you meet another comedian and they tell you they're into punk and you ask what's their favorite punk band and they say Blink One Eighty Two and <laughs> And look, I love Blink. I'm not a Blink 182 fan, but I love that they exist. Yeah. And I love and I love what they mean to people. And if that's your gateway was through like Blink, that's fucking great. That's amazing. I love that. But it's not my kind of band. But like, it's really funny. And somebody loves that band, and that's okay. That, that's totally cool. And or like me and my friend, uh, we talk about that stuff all the time. Like just being into those bands. I have a friend. His name is Brian Vokey. He's a comedian. He used to play in this band called Neon Piss. Oh, I, the, yeah. I remember that band. Yeah. Yeah. From well. the, yeah. And he's he's one of the few guys that I actually were really in touch with the same bands. And he's just like, yeah, we'll talk about this stuff for hours. Well, like, it's funny on the Blink-182 demo. Yeah. They cover Dinosaur Jr. They do Freak That's Scene. Right. And I think they do Longest Line by no effects yeah. so crazy it is the same dna that you have right mm -hmm. like in that yep. in terms of the musical dna it's just mm -hmm. people just take it different places and it, yeah people take it different places and that's cool and i love that i yeah. love that they and if that's like if someone if some kid's introduction his favorite album is cheshire cat that's cool that's amazing it's not you know i love that they have that and and i love that if they I love that they if they discovered Buzzcocks or Dinosaur Jr. through Blink, that's amazing. Yeah, and I also like it, it. That's why I find it so hard when people try and like do a punk history or yeah. or like a or try and put it in a box in some way because it is too big. Yeah, put in there and and in the same way that you know, like all any everything cool is connected. Yeah. and like what you're doing is punk. In the mm -hmm. same way as what I'm doing is punk. We're, we're bringing it to different places. We're doing different mediums, but we're coming from it in the, we're coming from the same sort of yeah. perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I even to like, even, even that it exists in comic books, like in ghost world, like mm -hmm. Daniel clouds doing it in ghost world, yeah. like, or, or in eight ball or like the Hernandez brothers, or like, even like the fact that like Ed Pisker, who does like the hip hop family tree. Like I've seen him do drawings of like the misfits and black flag. And like, I just think well, it's so cool. Or like uh, my friend Ryan, who's the yeah. uh, VP of at Marvel comics started taking photos at hardcore shows back in the day. What? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> then he took pictures at toy fair magazine and then wizard wow. and then got to Marvel. But 
you know, once again, it's that permission that punk rock gave him to take photographs and, and, yeah. and do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. This has been incredible. And I know you have a Thanks, show man. tonight and I don't want to keep yeah. you, but anytime yeah. Chris, you want to come back on and talk about punk. Cause you are, an amazing guest and i would love thanks, to have man. you back on oh i'd love to be back on whenever you want i love it and thanks for watching the show man it means the world well i'm gonna go watch the i'm, I'm going up right now to watch the last episode with my wife and she's frantically cool. texting me so All you right, gotta man. do a show and i gotta watch your show now <laughs> thanks man that means the world man thank you for having me dude. this is a real dream come true Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Chris can come back anytime. Anytime he wants to nerd out about punk. He just sent me that uh, Malaysian skinhead documentary that he brought up on the show. Holy, my mind was blown again. Check out this documentary, by the way. It's on Dazed and Confused, I believe, on YouTube. The magazine put it out. Uh, a fantastic, fascinating documentary. It, right away, one of my favorite films I've seen about punk. So I owe Chris for that too. Thank you, Chris. Speaking of watching, once again, also watch on YouTube the documentary that I have just put out. You go to the Turned Out of Punk at Turned Out of Punk YouTube channel. It should be up Friday morning. Uh, failing that, look up MVP Zach Blair or Misfits and Macho Man. It'll all co hopefully it'll all come up. Uh, and that's, I think that's, uh, oh no, I should tell you what's coming up on the next episode. Next episode, a legend, a legend from the band Honky, from the band Melvins, from the band The Butthole Surfers, coming back to the show for a part two. He's, his part one is with the Melvins, uh, way back one on the first one that, uh, Buzz, Dale, and him did together. The first time the Melvins were on. They've been on separately, too. But coming back to the show for the first time since then. Also, incredible solo record. Check out his solo record with uh, that he's doing now, too. Totally different, but equally incredible. Pincus. That's right. Jeff J.D. Pincus makes his return to Turned Out of Punk. And this is a fantastic episode. Oh, my gosh. This is good. This is a this is this is a good one, uh, and that's it for me. Uh, remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives and issues of Indigenous peoples all over the world, especially from my perspective in Canada or for for where I'm talking about in Canada, matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights, and stop hate and violence towards people of different races and different faiths, different sexualities, different genders, different sexual orientations, different, just, we need to stop all this because what we're talking about aren't political issues. These issues have been politicized uh, because that helps with oppression, but these aren't political issues. We need to start talking about these things in, in the terms of what they are, which is vital human rights. People deserve the right to live free from violence and hate and oppression. Uh, I add to this list, of course, because it's come, they're going to come after in Canada. Uh, we need to make sure that we help protect people's rights to choose what they want to do with their reproductive systems. Because that is also a human right. And that is the way this show feels. 
on, on I speak for Tristan and I. Because the, the show is basically Tristan and I. And I speak for both of us when I say all these things. So if there's organizations that are doing positive things in this world and affecting positive change, get involved with whatever means you can. You know, it doesn't have to be money necessarily if you can't spare money. It could be your time. If you don't have time, maybe it could be money. Maybe you can just be supporting them in spreading the message, helping spread their word. Uh, there's lots of ways to get involved. Speaking of getting involved, anyone can do this. Make a zine, start a band, who knows where it takes you. You know, look at Chris. He he was inspired to start doing comedy, and now he's got a show. So anyone can do this stuff. Go out there and do something. You know, maybe maybe it's just small at first. Maybe you just want to draw a picture for yourself, you know. That could be good. Put on a show. Help people put on concerts. There's a lot of need for that right now. There's a lot of bands on tour. Uh, anyway, just it, it'll help mental health wise as well to be creative or be productive and in ways that don't require you to sell your soul or your time for economic. Anyway, you know, why, why am I rambling? This thing normally you know, keep it succinct. That's what I got to do. Sign your organ donor cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. They're just literally dead meat at that point otherwise. So. Give someone else less work to do, too, that way. And you could change someone's life. I've seen it happen firsthand. I've, uh, I've seen, I've seen live, a life be saved because of that. So, please. Um, try meditation. It might work for you. I really do find it's something I rely on, and I didn't believe in it. And so this isn't coming from someone who was raised with it or... Is following any sort of tradition, I'm just using an app. So maybe it'll work for you. Maybe you'll probably get deeper into it than I am. And and please come back and teach me more at that point. All right, that's it. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode. This is a fun one. Oh, watch the YouTube show. Watch the YouTube thing, please. <laughs>